Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And tonight I have a specific topic I want to talk about, one specific topic. And that specific topic is assessing prospects. Assessing prospects. Let's say... Boy, I can't even really think of an appropriate non-baseball comparison. I really can't. I really can't. So I'm going to go to baseball. Uh, heck, probably I should start the podcast over again, do it all over again, but I'm not going to. I'm Okay. When people talk about prospects, when people talk about, for instance, the Cubs, uh, no, 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 let, let, the, um, the Twins made a trade today and acquired two prospects from the Rays. The Twins also sent a prospect to the Rays. So it was a two-for-two two trade. One of both are on the 40-man roster, and the one going to the Twins is going to have to be added to the 40-man roster. So how should a person assess those prospects. Well, they're really good. Well, maybe they will be, maybe they won't be. You don't know that. Uh, well, that uh, they were 12th and 17th in their pipeline. Yeah, but the Rays have a really good type pipeline. How does one assess how good players are to come over? How does one assess? How does one judge? How does one compare? For instance, you get the 12 and the 17 going one direction. Then another trade, you have somebody else get the 6. Which is better? Is the 6 better than the 12 and the 17? How would you know that? If you're trying to say, my team's front office is run by nincompoops, then you would say whatever our people got was stupid. Whatever the other people got was really smart. See how that works? You can prove anything if you don't have a center. If you don't have a center, you can prove pretty much any darn thing you want. Fortunately, fortunately, fortunately. Fan graphs and others. Baseball America does the same sort of thing. Baseball Prospectus does the same sort of thing. They all do the same basic sort of thing. I like fan graphs. I really enjoy fan graphs. And what they do, they have terms. And for a long time, I fought them. For a long time, I fought them vigorously. Had my own lists. Did my own lists, basing them on something other than what other people were basing lists on. But at some point, you know what? I said, screw it. They do the homework. They do the homework. They look at players more than I do. I'm listening to games on the radio. I'm listening to Cubs games on the radio. Maybe once in a while I'll take take in a game with a couple of Mets prospects or a, an A's prospect or something that I'm kind of interested in. But Fangraphs and the others do their homework. Now, are they necessarily always 100% right? Of course not. There's... 0% chance of getting everything right. Well, why didn't Albert Almora hit the Adam at 17? Well, he never developed to be able to hit breaking balls. Sad but true. Stuff happens. You assess based on stuff. And if at a certain particular crystallized moment in time, there's one guy who's four, there's one guy who's 23, there's one guy who's 102 as far as prospect ratings. You don't know which one is going to be better. But probably more than likely, 4 is going to be better than 20, whichever is going to be better than 102. Probably, but not necessarily. It's all going to depend upon da -da 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 -da, how the player develops, which is how it always been plays out. 
So, since it always depends upon how is the player going to play out, how does one assess prospects? I'm to the point where, forget it, I'm doing it with Fangraph's numbers. Eric Longenhagen wrote a fantastic book on future value, which uh, I didn't actually read it. I listened to it on audiobook, and it's fantastic. It's amazing. You should read it. There's some good stuff in there on Javier Baez. Very good stuff on there in there on Javier Baez, whether you're a Javier Baez fan or not. It's about three-quarters of the way through the book. So if you're reading it or listening to it, hey, he said there's going to be something. It's in there. It's in there. It's in there. It's in there. It's not particularly long, but it's in there, and it's very intriguing, very, very interesting to read. Uh, and probably some stuff you did not know. There's some stuff I didn't know, that's for sure. So uh, how do I assess prospects since all I do is listen to ball games, try to remember stuff, and write stuff down? How do I assess prospects? There's a 2080 scale. 2080 scale assesses players on their baseball abilities from 20 to 80. If you're really bad at something, you're 20. If you are amazingly, incredibly wonderful at something, you're an 80. Most of the people, 30, 35, 40, 45, somewhere in there. And depending upon how you are assessing players, numbers might be moderately different. But what, what Fangraphs tries to do with prospects is assess how good of a major league baseball player will this player be and what is the likelihood he will reach that. And depending upon the likelihood of and his peak, if everything goes well, the numbers vary. And if you have a guy who's in A ball, and he's not doing much. He's just not doing much. He's not impressing. His fastball's all over the place, or he can't hit a curveball or whatever. He's 20, 25. If you have a guy who, hey, this guy's actually playing fairly well, and at some point I'm going to have to look back and possibly do a little tiny bit more research on this guy. Then you're starting to look at a 30. And if you have that group of your 30s, Let's say you got eight or ten thirties in your organization. Top two of those thirties. Probably be thirty pluses. Then you get some thirty-fives and some thirty-five pluses. And then once you get to thirty-five plus, those are the players that rate. Those are the players that count. Those are the players that have value. Now some organizations have Quite a few players at the top. I'll use the Mets for an example of that. They have Francisco Alvarez, a catcher. They have Ronnie Mauricio, a shortstop. They have JT Ginn. They have two third basemen, Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos. I think I've just named the guys that the Mets have said, no, you can't have them. Yeah, I know you want to trade us Chris Bryant and get some stuff. Or you want to trade as Craig Kimbrell and get some stuff. But the seven that I named, you can't get them. You're not going to get them. And since they have five, six, seven guys who are very highly rated, and they just added um, Kumar Rocker from Vanderbilt out of the draft, so he's going to go right in there too up at the top. They have a very top-heavy organization as far as the pipeline. And that rates really well because those guys up at the top generally tend to have a whole lot of pointsy pointsies attached to them. Now, for the Cubs, their system is not top heavy at all. Per fan graphs, Brennan Davis is a 60, which is sensational. 
Reggie Preciado is a 123. The last I saw, I don't know. He might have gone up or he might have gone down because they just updated. He might be up, he might be down, but about two weeks ago he was a one. He was a 123. Ooh, how would that put him at? That probably put him at a 50. I don't know, but uh, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, 65, 70. And after each number, you also have plus. So if you have a 40, that guy is a little bit better than a 40, but not quite as good as a 45. He's a 40 plus. So it's uh, almost along lines like uh, piano keys. And all the way up to the top. And these numbers, 35 plus, 40 plus, a 50. If you are unfamiliar with the 2080 scale, it sounds like somebody's trying to be an arrogant, pompous-ass piece of crap. Oh, what do you mean by a 50? Really, eventually, at some point, that's the parlance. That's what you talk in. Because if you're saying, well, this guy's 17th in that system. Okay, fine. Does that make him a 45? Does that make him a 35 plus? Because different systems are entirely different. You can have... Two systems that have exactly the same value. In fact, right now, fan graphs. The Royals, 215 million. The Padres, 215 million. I haven't looked at them. I haven't looked at them. But the uh, Padres have uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., who's right up at the tippity top, 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 top. He's a whole bunch of their 215. Now, they have some more guys who are very good as well. And they are a bit of a top-heavy organization, which is fine. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. 215 million is amazing. The Twins are at 200... Did I say Twins? No, Royals. The Royals are at 215 as well. I'm not sure where their players are, but they're not one or two. They have better depth. Um, so if you're talking about the eighth best player in the Royals system or the eighth best player in the Padres system, they are exactly the same rating. Exactly the same rating. But if you say the eighth in the Padres system and the eighth in the Royals system or the 23rd in the Padres and the 23rd in the Royals, that might mean something entirely completely different. What matters is the numbers. So, Jack Peterson brought back a 40-plus. Now, that might mean a whole lot to you. That might mean nothing to you. But a 40-plus is a rated player. A 35-plus is a rated player. So you get the 35-pluses, and you get the 40s, and you get the 40-pluses. The guy the Cubs got for Jack Peterson was better than the 40s. Bryce Ball. A ball first baseman. Maybe there, his betting average isn't too particularly high, but he is a 40 plus. That gives a basis point. So if you're comparing Bryce Ball, who was 12th in the Brave system, as a 40 plus, well, is the Brave system any good? Let me look. Uh, hmm. They're not showing. I'm going to guess they're below 20 now after the trade. and uh, The number of the player gives information. If you say he is the 17th ranked guy in the Phillies system, that doesn't mean jack. What does matter is, first off, what's the number? If he's a 40, he's got something going on. He also has some warts. There's some things that he's not especially good at if he's a 40. But 40's good. 40 is a good, a valid prospect. What I hear quite often is, uh... Davies, Cubs starting pitcher. I've been saying for a while, the Cubs should trade Davies. 
someone who is not too much into, well, they're not going to get anything for them. I've heard that. Seen it? I've seen it more than I've heard it. They're not going to get anything for them. Please define anything. Well, I mean anything good. Please define anything good. If the Cubs have an expiring contract, an expiring contract, he's not going to be with the team next year. He's just not. Or, I'll use Nelson Cruz again. Nelson Cruz played for the Twins, got through All-Star break. Twins decided, okay, we're not going to make the playoffs. We're going to trade Nelson Cruz to the Rays. Okay, fine. Two good players going back to the Twins, an extra player going to the Rays. So, Nelson Cruz, did you like your time in Minnesota? You know, might you consider going back there next year? Oh, heck yeah! I love it there. I love it there. I hope to go back there next year. He enjoyed his time in Minnesota. And we'll probably go back there. So, Minnesota loses Nelson Cruz for a couple of months. After the season's over, they'll probably come back and sign with the Twins again. And for losing him for two months, they get two prospects. Seems good to me. Especially since the prospects were 45s. 45s! Now, it doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot to you. Maybe it means a whole lot to you. But 45 is better than a 40-plus. And that's the kind of thing... The, the Cubs got 140-plus for Jack Peterson. So, let's say the Cubs are trying to trade Davies right before the uh, trade deadline. Well, they're not going to get anything for him. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, they're not going to get a guy who's going to contribute to the major league team. How do you know that? How do you know that? All you can base it on is information that's available. Best information I know? Look at fan graphs. Look at fan graphs. Cubs offering... Kyle Davies around. Do you guys want him? Do you guys want him? Do you guys want him? Well, we're kind of interested. What will you offer us for him? Well, we got these three guys who are 35 pluses. Would you be interested in that? You mean all three of them together? Oh, no, 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 just one. So you're offering us one 35 plus for Davies? Yeah, pretty much. Hold that thought. I I, I, I got to go talk to somebody else. Go talk to somebody else. Um, What are you willing to offer us for... Kyle Davies. Well, we got the got these two guys that are 40s. You could have either one of them. So they're giving us a 35. You're giving us a 40. I I think you're leading the race right now. Then they talked to a couple other teams. And eh, no, really not interested. Oh, this guy, this guy's a 30. You can have no, 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 no. Then you get to a team who, well, how about this? We got a guy. Who's a 40? And we got a guy who's a 35 plus. We can send you both of them for Kyle Davies. How's that sound? If the numbers in fan... Every team has their own assessments. Fan graphs might call one guy a 40 and somebody else considers them a 50 or whatever. So it's not all going... But... Every team has their own internal assessment plan. This is what we know about this guy. This is what we've seen of him. Our scouts went and they saw some things and they did some things, interviewed some people, heard some stuff. We consider this guy to be a 40. We consider this guy to be a 35. This guy's a 35 plus. The, the information that you have, that's what we put him at. So, if the Cubs get to select between... A 35-plus for Kyle Davies. Or a 40 for Kyle Davies. Or a 40 and a 35. Which do you think they'll take? 35, a 40, or a 40, a 35-plus, a, a 40, or a 40 and a 35. 
I would think the 40 and the 35 probably makes the most sense because, well, it's more than a 40. Some of it's going to depend upon how old the player is. Some of it's going to depend upon positionality and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is when the Cubs are trading players, they want to get talent back in return. And the best way I know of to discuss the talent that a player has is, hey, I got this guy as a 45. Or Fangraphs has this guy as a 45. I don't do the homework, but they do. They say he's a 45. They say he's a 45. So when it gets to talking to teams, well, this other team has made this particularly good offer. You know, well, what are you willing to offer for this guy? Well, I don't know. You want to take the best offers. You want to take the best offers. You want to get in the best talent. You want to take full advantage of this period. And every darn player that the Cubs have that's an expiring contract, there should be serious looking into, can they trade him away? Dan Winkler. Better than average relief pitcher. There are a whole lot of pitchers who are a whole lot worse than Dan Winkler playing on contending teams, fighting, trying to get into the playoffs. ERAs in the sixes, ERAs in the sevens, ERAs in the high fives. Walks all over the place, homers all over the place. Just absolutely ugly numbers, but hey, he's the best guy we have. Wouldn't it make sense? Right before the deadline, this guy goes there, that guy goes there, the other guy goes there. Here's this guy going over here. Okay, Cubs are down to the last 45 minutes of before the deadline. They have Dan Winkler still left over, and they have Jake Marisnik left over. Shouldn't they trade him? Get something? Something that will be of value in 2023? Seems logical to me. Trade them all. Bring up guys from the minor leagues. See how they do. It'll piss off the season ticket holders. I know that, but... The goal is to try to create talent for the future. If there is a trade and somebody is saying, well, the Cubs didn't get anybody in their top 12. And you respond, well, that's correct. But they did get 13, 14, and 15. But they didn't get anybody in the top. What's so flipping magical about the top 12 or the top 8 or the top 9? The goal ought to be getting the maximum return value for every single player. But they didn't get what the Cubs gave up for Aroldis Chapman. That's not happening anymore. The Aroldis Chapman trade helped the Cubs get a World Series title and it helped to end those kind of trades. General managers, owners, they don't want to give away major prospects anymore. They just don't. They just don't. In fact, right now, I'm kind of happy that the Cubs are kind If the Cubs were like three games out instead of, what are they, seven, eight, nine, whatever. Um... The Cubs were like three games out. They were, oh, we want to go out and get this pitcher and we want to get this, whatever it is that they're getting. Who are they giving away? They're giving away the guys that are in the pipeline that are doing well. Give up Ed Howard. Give up DJ Hers. Give up Christopher Morrell. As of right now, I'd rather keep those guys. I'd rather keep those guys and see how they do. Well, Jordan Wogu, he had a bad season for you guys. Well, he started off horribly. He's doing okay now. Well, you, you ought to be forced to give us... A, no, no, 
the Cubs are having a bad year. It happens. When you have a bad year, it's kind of useful to have a whole bunch of players that are expiring contracts. And the Cubs are trading them away. When the Cubs trade players away, keep an eye on what other players drew. Nelson Cruz brought two 45s. All right. Jack Peterson brought a 40 plus. All right. Now you see how I'm starting to tear that stuff? If you're Jack Peterson good, you're going to get a 40 plus. If you're Nelson Cruz good, you're going to get two 45s, but you're going to give something back. See how that works? So what's Chris Bryant going to get? I, I have no idea. What What's Craig Kimbrell going to get? Get... I have no idea. Once we find out what Craig Kimbrell is worth in the market, then we will know what Craig Kimbrell is worth in this market. That doesn't mean that that's what he's going to be worth if we would go back in time to the 1970s. It doesn't mean that that's what he would be worth if the league is still playing in 2040. Different years, different times, different assessment periods, different ways of assessing the value of prospects. When hearing prospect returns, don't fall for the bait of, they didn't get anybody in the top seven. You hear that, the correct, proper, barked response is, well, what was their fan graphs grade? What was their fan graphs grade? I, I, I don't give a damn if they were a top three or a top nine or a top 17. What was their fan graphs grade? I don't know what a fan graphs grade is. Go find out what a fan graphs grade is. Tell me what the fan graphs grade was. Then I'll tell you if it starts to make sense. Because when you're talking about, if a team is dealing with the Los Angeles Dodgers, oh, by the way, Kenley Jansen blew a save overnight and the Dodgers are now... Three games, three games out of first, and they have three games in San Francisco next weekend. You think maybe the Dodgers might want to get an upgrade starting pitcher? So now, if the Cubs make a trade with the Dodgers, who have a fantastic system, and they get Dodgers' seventh and eighth prospects for somebody, for somebody, do you think that might be a little bit better, maybe, than the fourth and fifth prospects in the Phillies system when the Phillies system is right down toward the bottom? See how the seventh and eighth prospect, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. How are you assessing the specific players, the specific players that are acquired? Well, he was the 14th. What, what's the 14th have to do with anything? What's his fan graphs rate? If you're a Baseball America type, great, cool, fine. Baseball prospectus, go knock yourself out. But ask for the rating number. Because if the Cubs end up getting... Let's say the Cubs end up trading Anthony Rizzo. Oh, horrors. He's been fantastic for quite a few years. He probably still has a couple of years left in him. This year has been a bit of a struggle. There's been a whole bunch of stuff going on with the team and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. If the Cubs trade or consider trading Anthony Rizzo, what should the important concept be? Because they, they don't want to give, a guy, give up Rizzo and get a guy who's absolutely of no value. Exactly, right. Exactly correct. If it gets down to the buzzer, if it gets down to the buzzer, and Anthony Rizzo hasn't been traded yet, and the best available offer on the table, they have one team that's willing to offer a 35-plus and one team that's willing to offer a 40. 35 plus 40. First off, which would you prefer? A 35 plus or a 40? If you've been listening at all the last half hour, the 40 is 
generally considered better than the 35 plus. But a 40, a, a 40 for Anthony, he's not going to be an all-time legend. So what? Rizzo is leaving at the end of this season. He may be back, but he's leaving at the end of the season. So, what between now and October is Anthony Rizzo going to prove, going to contribute, going to add to the whatever of the Cubs? Very little. If they trade him for a 40 prospect, pitcher, catcher, right fielder, center fielder, Guy who bounces between third base and pitcher. I don't really care what. If the Cubs can get a validly rated prospect for anybody that's a rental toward the deadline, do it. Do it. The Cubs can call up well, they already had up Nick Martini for a while. He's played a little bit of first base. Rafael Ortega is the guy that they should probably look at the most. Um, they picked up um, Frank Schwindel off the DFA wire. He's a first baseman, DH. Uh, might want to play him at first base a little bit. Roll with who's around, who's available, and see how they do. Maybe they'll be good. Maybe they'll be horrible. Patrick Wisdom was considered a prospect. But then the Cardinals gave him a look. He didn't do anything. He went over someplace else. Didn't do anything. Came over to the Cubs. He pinch ran. He got released. He signed back with the Cubs. Cubs had him in AAA. They decided, oh, goodness. All these people keep getting hurt. We're going to call up this lousy guy that has like a 143 batting average at the major league level. But we're going to call him up because we have nothing else. So Patrick Wisdom comes up and he's been fantastic. You don't know. You don't know. Prospects who are 30s can become a whole lot better sometimes. One of the really popular prospects in the system now is... Pablo Allendo. Two years ago, when I was listening to uh, following games in the DSL, like I do this year, he was that third string catcher who'd play a little bit and couldn't tell if he's hitting line drives or pop ups or what, but you know, it's, it's okay. Uh, certainly nothing special, certainly not on anybody's list. I saw he was on the Myrtle Beach team and I was thinking, huh, well, I didn't think. Pablo Aliendo would ever get to Myrtle Beach, but hey, that's kind of cool. You know, I hope he does well. And now he and Ed Hearn are both starting to hit the ball, and Pablo Aliendo is getting to the point where let's tie this back around to the front. Pablo Aliendo came into the season as a thirty, maybe a twenty-five. He was not a thing. But this season, he's played well. He's played very well. And the question for talent assessors, whether talent assessors writing for Baseball Prospectus, Baseball America, Fangraphs, the Kansas City Royals, the Chicago Cubs, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the question is with Pablo Aliendo, is he a 35 or is he a 35 plus or is he a 40? He's somewhere in there. 35, 35 plus 40. I don't know. I'm not very good at that stuff. All I know is he's hitting a lot better than he had been at the start of the year. And he's actually looking like a legitimate actual player. So where will Pablo Aliendo be at the end of the year? 35, 35 plus 40. All the prospects. In the Cubs system, in the A system, in the Dodgers system, in the Royals system. Awareness of which players in other organizations are 
underappreciated or overappreciated. That's information. Information is of value, and the organizations that have better information systems have a huge edge over other teams. When the Cubs make trades, and the Cubs will make trades, if they get back a 40 or a 45, that's generally pretty good. Jack Peterson brought back a 40-plus, and Jack Peterson is a completely adequate player. Who's better, Jack Peterson or Rafael Ortega? Who's better and how would you know? You don't. They're both about the same. The Cubs traded Jack Peterson and plugged in Rafael Ortega for more playing time. Rafael Ortega is playing just as well as Jack Peterson did, if not better. At the, uh, the next eight days or so, the Cubs are going to trade some relief pitchers. Ryan Tapera, Andrew Chafin, maybe Dan Winkler. Who knows? Zach Davies, not Kyle Davies, Zach Davies. Um, they'll trade him. Then they'll plug in somebody else and see how it works. Maybe it'll go well, maybe it won't. But um, when you trade away a player, you, when the Cubs trade away a Zach Davies, they get a forty. Uh, uh, if they get a forty prospect for Davies, that's fine. They get a forty plus for Davies, it's even better. They get a forty plus and a thirty-five. Thirty-five isn't listed, but you can generally kind of tell. That's even better. The goal when trading is to get back the best talent possible. When you're assessing talent, when you're assessing prospect talent, having a basis for declaring what a player is is very important. Oh, well, they got the 19th best prospect. That's a sign of a person who doesn't grasp. They got seventh prospect and that... That that tells nothing. That is a bit of a sign of somebody who's absolutely pompous, thinks they know a heck of a lot more than they do. I have no idea. When I heard this, uh, I ran into the name Brian Buelvis from the A's a while back. Never heard of the guy. Never heard of the guy. Never heard of the guy. I said, I want to look at the A's prospect list because... The Cubs might end up trading someone to the A's. Who is a guy on the A's prospect list that I would be interested in? Not anyone else. Not look at one and two and say, oh my goodness, I'm going to blow up their building if the Cubs don't get a one or a two. No, that, it doesn't work that way. You get what you get. You get the, you take the best offer. So I, but I was listening, looking at the A's list, and Brian Buelvis was down at like six or seven or something like that. Outfielder, 19 years old, A ball, low A ball, doing fairly well, has some power, has some speed. Saying, yeah, yeah, that might work. I'd, I'd be interested in Brian Buelvis for if the Cubs are making a trade with the A's. You get Buelvis's entire career from here on. For two months of somebody else, seems reasonable now. I'd take that in almost every case. So a couple days, you know, I think yesterday, one of the, I think it might have even been Fangraphs, had a list of, here are five potential trades, five potential trades that might happen. Had a couple of, had a Rizzo trade, had a Kimbrel trade, had a Bryant trade. Uh... Trevor's story they had going to the Oakland Athletics and among the two players that the Rockies were to receive from the Oakland Athletics among the two names was Brian Blavis. It's not rocket science. If you do the research, players young, players at a level that 
based on his age, he ought to be getting his butt kicked, but he's hanging in there and doing well. That's what you're looking for. Those are the guys who are going to be the 40s. Those are the guys who are going to be the 40 pluses. Those are the guys who are going to be the 45s. Those are the guys you're looking for. When stuff starts coming through, it's not going to be a case of the Cubs are going to be able to say, well, Chris Bryant, we have to get two top 100 prospects. No, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It isn't going to happen. The Cubs are going to get the best available offer when they throw the entire amalgam together. They traded Jack Peterson early, probably because Atlanta needed an outfielder because they lost one of their starters for the year. They needed a guy. They needed a guy they could plug in and start. The Cubs said, how about this guy? Who would you offer? And the Braves said, how about we send you a first baseman that's having a hard time hitting the ball but draws a hell of a lot of walks? Cubs said sold. Peterson goes that way. Bryce Ball comes to the Cubs. The other trades are going to be kind of difficult because a lot of them might involve two players. So if somebody wants Chris Bryant and Andrew Chafin, on this other trade, though, somebody wants Craig Kimbrell and Andrew Chafin. This other team wants Craig Kimbrell and Anthony Rizzo. This other team wants Anthony Rizzo and Zach Davies. See how it gets kind of difficult? Because now instead of just assessing one for one, you're assessing two for one. It's like at some point you decide... This is the one package that we absolutely want. And you make that one trade by taking out that player and possibly the player that goes with them. A whole bunch of the other offers kind of tend to fade away a bit. It's like, okay, these two guys are going. We're getting these other players. (sighs) Okay, now we still have these five guys to trade. What's the best offer on them? What's the best offer on this guy? What's the best offer on this guy? What's the best offer on this guy? And if you're trading a player who is a rental, like a Jake Marisnik, like a Zach Davies, like a Ryan Tapera, you might as well trade them. You might as well trade them. Not, 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 not for this team's 42nd best prospect or this team's 19th best prospect or this team's 32nd best prospect, if you're getting down toward the nub and there's a player that you have and somebody else wants him and they're willing to offer you a 35 plus or a 40, sold. Why does 35 plus and 40 matter? Because 35 plus and 40 are actually based on things. They're based on what is the expected future value of this player. The entire concept of, well, this guy is their 28th best prospect. That doesn't tell you squat. That really doesn't tell you squat. What tells you squat? What is of use? What is important? Is this guy a 35 plus? Is he a 40? Is he a 40 plus? And then from there you can argue. Well, we got these three 40s. And you can have two of them. But we're going to keep the third. Or something like that. When somebody gets bent out of shape about well, the Cubs didn't even get. Or the Giants didn't even get. Or the Royals didn't even get. Or, or anything along those lines. The raw numbers don't matter. What matters is getting more additional talent into the pipeline to make the organization better. That is the entire point of making the veteran for prospect trade. 
And the other team, the contending team, has to decide how much future am I willing to surrender for the present? And boy, for me, that was always, that was very difficult. That was very difficult because I'm not trained. I'm not trained that way. I'm not watching major league games a whole lot. I'm listening to minor league games. And when a player that I'm listening to, much like someone who's a major league fan only, when there's someone that you're familiar with and they're getting traded, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt because you have a connection. The Cubs are going to make trades. Keep an eye on what other similar players are drawing, what other similar players are fetching, but not, well, this guy brought the 17th best prospect from the White Sox. Well, what's that mean? This team brought the 32nd best prospect from the Washington Nationals. Well, what's that mean? Is he a 30? Is he a 35? Is he a 35 plus? Is he a 40? Is he likely to provide future value? And if you're talking to a person who is knowledgeable, who is useful to be talking to, they'll probably have an answer for you. Or they'll say, you know, I really don't know the answer to that, but I could go look it up for you. 40s, 45s, 45-pluses. Those are what you're looking for in trades. Today, Minnesota added two 45s to their pipeline by giving up a rental hitter and a pitcher as well. Ask what the number is. No, not the what he was rated in the system. If the person you're talking with can't give you what the player's rating is, 40, 45, 40 plus, you'll still get into some arguments. Oh, well, well, fan graphs might have them at 40, but Baseball America has them at 45. Okay, there's a difference in agreement. There's a difference in assessment. It happens all the time. But with numbers, as far as this player is a 40-plus, this player is a 45, then you can actually start to assess who might have gotten the better end of things, who might have gotten taken in a swap. But down toward, this, down toward the end, hopefully the Cubs will have a number of trades done near the deadline because as of a week from today, they're going to be very interested in probably moving out everything out the door. And in that sort of a situation, Cubs right now have about eight or nine guys they can still trade. And I'm not even including Kyle Hendricks and Wilson Contreras. They have about eight or, eight or nine guys they can trade. Totally, legitimately, completely. Once the two-player trades go away, then they can start talking to teams and saying, so, uh, are you interested in Anthony Rizzo? Yeah, yeah, kind of. What you offering? We'll give you a 40. Hold on a second. I got to go talk to Boston. Hey, guys. What are you willing to offer to get Anthony Rizzo back? What's the best offer you're looking at? Well... We got a 40 on the table. If you give us a guy who's a 45, he's yours. See how it works? It has nothing to do with this guy is 7th in that system or 19th in that system or 43rd in that system. It's the future value. Future value. Hopefully, the Cubs won't have to do this for long. And hopefully, once they get everything right-sized, then uh, and fans start showing up again in massive numbers, hopefully Tom Ricketts is wise enough to spend aggressively on scouting and on player development and all that kind of stuff, the important stuff. Because that's what lasts. 
hitting a draft. If Jordan Wicks is a useful starter, he doesn't even have to be an ace. If he's a useful starter, if he's one of those guys that goes out every five days and you know, he gives you 30, 32 starts a year and he usually goes five or six innings and you know, all that kind of stuff, that's absolutely huge value. Absolutely huge value. For like $3 million? That's absolutely huge value. But don't be suckered into the, well, they only got a 17th and a 22nd rated guy. Ask for the value. So, uh, yeah, what the, the 17th and the 19th guy. I'm really not familiar with that team's system, um, and I'm not, you know, looking it up right now. What is 17 and 19? What are their future values? Is that like a 40 plus on a 40? They won't talk to you again. They won't bother you anymore. Because you're actually asking for stuff that involves them doing homework, that involves them doing some research. And the people that you don't... The people that want to talk about the research, those are the fine... I have no, no problem talking to them. I have somebody that disagrees. Oh, I, I have this guy's a forty-five, not a 40, forty plus. He's not a forty. He's a he's not a forty-five. He's a forty plus. Well, wh why do you think that? And th they'll have a reason. They'll have an answer. They'll have a response. They'll be educated on stuff. But people who do the oh well, all they got is a fourteen and an eighteen and a twenty-one and a twenty-six. Ugh, how can that? Well, what were their fan graph values at the time? What do you mean a fan graph value? This conversation just ended. Because if a person not only doesn't know, but obviously doesn't want to know, you have better ways to waste your time. Thanks for stopping by. Um, be safe. Be nice to others. And yeah, I kind of do apologize for this one going on so long. But um, thanks for sticking with me for... Wow. Um, be safe. Be nice to others. And have a nice tomorrow.